In the world of property, lots of people are talking about sharks. Sharks in terms of people who purport to be mentors, aren't experienced or don't have the knowledge, but charge lots of money and mislead people. But in this video, I'm going to share with you my list of things you ought to be looking at to verify this person. So I'm going to share the due diligence that you must do before you appoint them because you've got to take responsibility when you appoint somebody. So you've got to do your homework. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur and property investor. You might have heard a bit or a lot about getting a property mentor. And there's a lot of people out there, by the way, who've got lots of experience in property and some of them tend to venture out into helping others. At the same time, there's lots of people on social media who sometimes complain or moan about somebody that they knew three, six, nine, twelve months ago or longer who was in a training session with them. And then all of a sudden, they've now become a property expert, a mentor, a coach, anything. Well, hold on a moment. 12 months ago, for example, this person knew nothing. Today, they're purporting to be a coach or a mentor. And in their mind, that that person is fooling others. So you get all sorts of stuff going on. Sometimes people talk about their sharks in property, this, that, the other. And you get good and bad people everywhere, by the way, whether it's property or elsewhere. And generally in your life, if you think about it, I'm sure you've met, met some really nice people and you've met some not so nice people. So I want to share with you some of the things that you could do when thinking about working with a property mentor in terms of establishing them as an expert and establishing whether you should work with them. So the first and most obvious one is look on company's house and look for that person's name as a director and look at the companies that they're associated with. Now, the good thing about companies' house is anybody who has a company has to file their accounts. The bad thing is small companies file abbreviated accounts. So although the accounts won't tell you that much, they will tell you something about what's going on with the company. So if somebody has been filing dormant company accounts, by the way, i.e. no activity happening, and they've got 16 property companies up there, that tells you they aren't doing much. If on the other hand, they've got, let's say, two or three property companies and they're filing accounts every single year and the first uh, company was formed, let's say, seven years ago or 10 years ago, the second one was uh, formed five years ago and the most recent one, two years ago, you can then look at the uh, SIC code and it tells you the type of activity the company's undertaking. You can look at the balance sheet and the abbreviated accounts. You can look at the people involved and you'll get a bit of an insight into what's going on. Of course, if the company hasn't filed its accounts on time, that tells you something as well. If it hasn't filed its other returns on time, that tells you stuff. If they've got charges on there with banks and lenders, that tells you they're doing stuff and obviously they've got charges there because they've borrowed money. So those types of things will give you a bit of an insight into the type of person you're working with in the sense of the kind of companies they've got and what's going on. 
Now, a lot of people sometimes get disappointed say, oh, the, or, on companies have the balance sheets are only, let's say, uh, the net worth and the balance sheets are only 50 grand or whatever. And that might be the case, but that's because somebody may have assets. They've leveraged those assets. So if they've got a high amount of gearing or debt, therefore the net worth on the balance sheet isn't that great. But it still tells you that they are doing something. So go to company's house and use that public information to make a start to get to know a bit more about the kind of business that this particular person has got going on. The second one, which kind of links with company's house, is do a credit check. A credit check is going to tell you about their credit worthiness and also more information about the company and also the individual. So you can use companies like, for example, Equifax, Experian, Due, Dill. There's many others, by the way. Just look online and have a look at uh, that person and that business's history, especially because you'll have the name of the businesses from company's house to see what their credit check is actually showing you and Obviously, if they have a, a good credit rating and the credit worthiness is, let's say, £150,000 for giving them uh, a new account, you'd then say, well, this person must be worth something or the business must be worth something, uh, therefore they're good. If the credit check doesn't show much and, it's, and the credit worthiness is zero, well, that tells you a different story. Again, both the first and the second example here can't be taken in isolation. You've got to look at everything together as a whole and all the different points I'm going to share with you here today, which aren't exhaustive, by the way. These are only some of the points. At least will give you a better picture and indication of the type of business and the type of person that you're looking at. Third one, you can then uh, find out how many properties this particular person has from the uh, information on company's house. You can obtain that. You can ask the individual directly and then go into land registry and do a... Uh, Title search, or just enter the postcode and address. Uh, look at the title search and see if their name is on uh, those uh, on the title for those particular properties. But also, if their name is on there and one of their companies owns it, the name of the company is there. That then kind of puts things together, and you think, "Yep, this person said they've got eight properties." For example, you check on company's house. You have a look on. If they've got a limited company, you have a look on land registry. Yep, all of those eight properties show their name or the name of one of their companies. So you think, yep, at this person said they've got eight properties. They actually have got eight properties. Therefore, they are a property investor. And they basically what they said is exactly as things are. Again, helps you to build a bit more of a picture. Fourth one, ask them how long they've been in property, the kind of deals they've done, the kind of challenges they've overcome, how they've helped other people to so get them to tell you their story to kind of build up the facts and then you can try and verify that information because if they say to you, for example, I worked with X uh, and I helped them uh, get started in property and they've got, say, let's say five properties now over the last two years. You can then ask for that person's name, speak to them, find out if this is true, genuine, if they have helped and supported that person. And that, again, gives you a bit more of an insight onto the type of work they did with that particular person. Because no matter who you speak to, most people will say, oh, I do a pretty decent job. And I hope they do, by the way. And I'm sure they, they do. But if you speak to their customers and clients, they'll tell you firsthand exactly what they've done for them and how good they actually are. So don't underestimate the power and the value of speaking to those customers and clients directly 
to get the information that you need. Number five, do they speak at events? And there's two benefits here, well, in fact, three benefits. The first one is if they speak at events, you can see them and get a gauge for, do I like this person's style? Do I like the way that they come across? Do I like the way that they explain stuff? Do I like or am I comfortable with the language they use? Now, some people, for example, swear on stage and you might not like people who swear. Therefore, that would be an instant turn up. So you think, not the type of person I want to work with. Some of the people use language in a, in a different way. That might not connect with you. So, it, but it's going to give you a, a good impression. The second thing is, if they're on stage, they're sharing their expertise with you. It, again, gives you a decent gauge about how much they know because those who know their stuff inside out, when they're sharing the information, they can present it in a reasonably simple or simple enough manner to be able to give you a good indication or understanding of the subject matter. Those who don't understand it aren't always able to explain things properly. And the other benefit linked with that, of course, is if you're listening to them, you can ask them questions and then obviously judge and assess based on the answer they give you. Again, caveat, just because you ask a question and somebody answers a question, it doesn't mean they're an expert. And just because they can't answer a particular question doesn't mean they're not an expert. But again, it just helps you create that connection and link. And the third one with that is if they're up on stage and somebody's invited them, whether it's their own event or they've been invited to somebody else's event, if they're there, they must have some expertise or credibility especially for, to be speaking at other people's events because most people who invite speakers aren't going to invite anybody and everybody. They're trying to obviously invite industry experts who can really help assist and support you. And the fourth one with that, of course, if you see a speaker there, break time, lunch time, usually they're mulling around, talking to people. You can approach them, start talking to them, and again, get an insight into the type of person that they are. The next one is a big one, but this can also to some extent be misleading, look at the social media presence. So what information are they sharing? What do, you, what do you know about them? Do you have common shared interests? Somebody might have a dog and you, you've got a dog, so that's a common interest. They might have children, you've got children, common interest, cars, uh, planes, boats, whatever it might be. They're like good food and restaurants and you do too. So if you've got some shared interests, that always helps because you've got something to talk about. But above and beyond that, the kind of information they're sharing, are they doing deals and the kind of deals that you want to do? And are they sharing enough insightful information on those deals to give you information and knowledge, but also the confidence that that person knows what they're talking about? And also, if they are on social media, when they get tagged or when they're being asked questions, do they response? Are they helpful? Now, of course, some people have a lot going on. So admittedly, sometimes if I get tagged, and I get tagged quite a lot, by the way, sometimes I just can't get to answer that particular question, not because I don't want to, but because there's so many posts coming in, so you're being tagged here, there, everywhere, sometimes you just miss stuff. So I don't think we should judge people just because they've been tagged somewhere and they haven't answered a question. But generally speaking, if you are following somebody and you see them being tagged, they will uh, respond hopefully to most of the time if they've been tagged. But also if there are other people asking questions, they'll sometimes jump in there, share their knowledge and experience, and that gives you a good insight. But social media can also be misleading because people can put on a particular persona and you might think everything's very rosy and grand and things might be different. So I'll link it back to the earlier point I made is you can't look at one thing in isolation. You've got to look at the whole thing 
together to build up a really good picture. The next one, which is going to be quite obvious to you, which is the medium that you're seeing me from right now, is are they on YouTube? Again, not the be all or end all, but if they're on YouTube, they get to kind of listen to them, sharing their uh, knowledge. You can see all their videos. How do they come across? Are they trying to be helpful? If people post comments, do they actually respond to the, those comments? Are they putting out kind of good, useful content, which is important to you? Because let's say uh, somebody's an expert in service accommodation and you're interested in HMOs, they probably aren't for you. So look at the videos that they're sharing. Are those videos the type of expert you're looking to work with or are they focused on a particular strategy which isn't for you? Therefore, you can then look at somebody else who is a much better fit. Next one is, do they have publications? Do, do they feature in magazines? Do they feature in the local newspaper, national newspaper, TV, radio? Have they got their own book? Have they got their own blog? Do they send out information via email? All of this gives you a bit of a better idea into the type of expert they are. If somebody's got a book and they write regular articles for some of the leading publications and they're on radio, TV, that shows you they must be an expert to some extent that they're being invited to write all these things and they're obviously sharing their own information through a book. Again, caveat is just because someone's got a book, it doesn't mean they know everything about a particular thing. But if they're brave enough to spend that time to write a book and share their knowledge, at least when you see the book, it'll give you some insight into whether they know their stuff. A second caveat is just because they've got a book, it doesn't mean they've written it. So you can always try and find out is, have they written the book or not? Hard question to ask somebody, uh, but if you want to do your research, you can, if you've seen their writing elsewhere, and then there's a book, you can kind of compare, does the writing match? If it doesn't match, maybe somebody else wrote the book. I'm not saying everybody uses a ghostwriter, but it does happen. And in this video here, my aim is to try and share stuff with you transparently. So when you have or appoint a coach or a mentor, you get the right one for yourself. The next one I've briefly covered is testimonials. Go on their website, have they got testimonials? If they have, try and find those people on social media, Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever, approach them and ask them about their relationship and their understanding and their experience of having worked with that particular person. Online reviews, another big one. Look online, what are people saying about them? Are there positive reviews, negative reviews? And by the way, if they've got all positive reviews, that should be a hint of caution as well, because nobody's perfect. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect. So if there's 150 reviews about me, for example, and they're all glowing testimonials, and think, well, there's not even one single kind of bad one here, or one that shows that this person's not perfect, then maybe some of those have been engineered. I don't know, maybe I'm getting old and a bit skeptical and suspicious. But if there are lots of good ones, some bad ones, that shows you they're human. They get most of the stuff right. Sometimes they do things wrong. And what, what better mentor to work with than somebody who's made mistakes, got things wrong, changed, improved, learned, and accelerated and who can help you then do the exact same thing, hopefully, for you and your business. Back to social media, Facebook, which is obviously popular. Go into the Facebook groups, ask questions there about this particular person, see if they're in the group, how they respond, and ask other people. Because if this person has been in property for two, four, eight, ten, however many years, other people should know them. 
And if you're in a group, and again, I'll make up an example. You're in a group of, let's say, 20,000 other property investors, and you mention this person's name, and nobody knows them, eh, maybe this person isn't the expert that you think they are. But I mean, if nobody knows them, it doesn't mean that they're not an expert. It just means they're not known to this particular crowd. But generally speaking, if you go to two or three different uh, property groups and you mention somebody's name and they're not known, that again should raise some question marks, alarm bells about that person's own credibility, visibility, and how well they're known because at least one or two people wouldn't and should know them. So Facebook groups are a good way to find out, linking with that, your own network of people, ask them about this particular person. If they don't know this person, ask them if they know anybody else who knows them, because uh, that's gonna help you find out how good and genuine this person is. And if once you've gone through the list I've just shared here, again, I'll share the caveat, this is not exhaustive, these are some of the things that I would do and I recommend you do. But once you've done all these or some of these, the most important one is talk to the person. Do you get on with them? Does their style match the kind of style you're okay with? Because if it doesn't, there's no point working with them because you're not going to get on. So if you get on really well and you like their style and everything else kind of fits and you feel they're the right fit and they feel like you've known them forever, for example, then it's going to work well. And nothing beats obviously talking to people, meeting them, and making sure you're on the right page. And sometimes, by the way, the mentor might be the person where you might not like their style 100%, but they inspire you to, to take action. So again, an example, let's say sometimes you get a little bit lazy, you're a bit relaxed, and you just don't want to give, basically give you a kick up the backside. So this person's quite stern, tough, is gonna hold you accountable, makes you feel a little bit uneasy, and uh, but, you know they're gonna help you to take action. So the style might not match, but you know they can get you to where you wanna to get to in terms of results. I think that's fine too, because some of the uh, coaches I've worked with, I've not liked their style 100%, but I know they've, through experience, they've got my best interests at heart, so and they've pushed me hard, taken me outside of my comfort zone, and had I not worked with them, just because their style didn't match my style, then I wouldn't have made the progress I did. So talk to them, feel comfortable, make sure, even feel uncomfortable, but being uncomfortable hopefully will get you to a place where you wanna to get to. Once you've done all these things here, you've done more research than what most people do, hopefully you won't get stung, you'll have a good experience, the mentor's gonna help you to get to where you wanna to get to, and it's gonna be a nice, good experience for you. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.